Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks mixed. We've got the S&P trading higher. Little changed up by a point now. Just about 13 minutes to go ahead of the close as we wrap up what looks like a losing week for U.S. stocks. The Dow down 32 right now, down two-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up nine. That is a gain of just about two-tenths of 1%. The tenure down 132nd with a yield of 2.19%. Gold lower little change down 40 cents the ounce to 1288. West Texas intermediate crude oil rallying 3.3% up a dollar 57 a barrel right now to 4866. I'm Charlie Pellet and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. The ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Well, minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors. Prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here is Julie Hyman. I'm here with Eric Balchunas, Bloomberg Intelligence ETF analyst. And Eric, uh, there's been a trend in ETFs toward passive investing. Active stock funds, for example, have seen $120 billion in outflows this year. But active bond funds are another story. They've been attracting money. How much and why? Right. So they've taken in $100 billion this year, which is more than debt ETFs have taken in. So um, this sort of busts the narrative that we're seeing a lot of outflows from active. It's really more from out- outflows from equity active. And the reason that they are taking in money is because they're outperforming. Uh, active fixed income ETFs, by and large, the majority of them beat their benchmarks. And part of the reason is the benchmarks are more beatable. They can take credit risk, duration risk. They have more levers at their disposal than an equity uh, manager does with the equity benchmarks. Thanks so much, Eric. I'm Julie Hyman with the Bloomberg ETF Report. And this week's look at venture capital coming up is brought to you by Eisner Ampert International Tax Professionals. Multinational companies must prepare for tax reform. Transfer pricing, new territorial tax system, cash repatriation, EisnerAmpert.com slash 2017 tax reform. Venture Capital deals in fintech. Yeah, that's happening. David Ritter joins us right now. Bloomberg Intelligence Payments and Finance Analyst. And, uh, David, I talked to a lot of VCs who look into this area, but I think it's one of these things, not unlike enterprise technology, it's kind of underneath the radar because people don't see when it's happening to them, all these advances in financial uh, technology. Sure. Well, um, you know, the, the big trend we saw in the second quarter uh, was, was a big increase in venture capital into insurance technology. And I think what's interesting about that is that a pretty high percentage of those investments came from established insurers and reinsurers or really their venture capital units, um, not necessarily from independent investors. Uh, and that's similar to some of the trends we've seen in other areas of fintech, whether it be payments or whether it be the lending business is um, you know, hardly being displaced, the incumbents are kind of getting on board with um, seeding some of these ideas to try to, you know, look for new ways to grow. Well, uh, is there any way to sort of uh, lump them into any kind of category where we see trends emerging? Sure. Um, you know, I would say one of the big trends that's emerged over the last few quarters is there's been a lot more significantly sized deals. Um, so over $50 million, over $100 million. I mean, there's nearly 30 fintech companies now that fall into the unicorn category um, of over a billion dollars in valuation. 
The other thing we've seen is that some of the previous high flyers in the lending space, um, which isn't surprising given Lending Club's troubles about this time last year, have fallen off of that list in, in recent funding rounds, and they've been replaced by you know, companies in payments and companies in insurance and in money transfer and those things that have kind of taken the lead over from them. Uh, it, it, so the lending really been one of the things. I guess uh, one of the advantages that that has is sort of the almost network-like effect of being able to add uh, uh, a market on the outside that's, thri- that's pushing these, uh, these deals forward. Yeah, you know, the other thing is there were a couple of IPOs in the online lending space back in April. One of a company called Elevate Credit, which is kind of a subprime online company, and another in China called China Rapid. And the IPOs didn't go very well. Uh, and so that may cool interest in some of these others like Prosper or being able to go public in the future. Um, but, you know, you do have really big established companies like so- SoFi, which is a big student refinance company, um, valued at, you know, several billion dollars. That would probably be an obvious one to look to go public over the next couple of years. So really sort of the cream is rising to the top, whereas for, you know, the prospers of the world, um, you know, they've really been shrinking their headcount and kind of trying to figure out a pathway forward. Um, it, it's becoming a window, winnowing field. And, you know, Lending Club in the second quarter is showing some some significant signs of turning things around. So um, I guess that's natural. We're going to see kind of a winnowing of the field here. And the VC uh, space is kind of reflecting that. Is uh, for for these uh, insurance firms and so on? Are these investments that are looking for financial return? Or are they just trying to stay on top of the latest trends so they don't get uh, disintermediated by some new kind of technology that's targeting their own business? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a combination of both. But some of them are really interesting newer concepts. And for example, there's a pretty prominent company called Metro Mile, where their idea is to try to take you know, the auto insurance business and, and move it to a per mile basis. In other words, their thesis is that, uh, and I'm not the insurance expert here, but their thesis is. Yeah, you can play one on radio, though. That's always yeah, an right. option. Yeah, right. Why not? Um, you know, people who don't drive as much are obviously subsidizing people who do. And so that's their innovation. Um, that they're looking to looking to push, and so I think it's looking to, for new business models, testing out new business models, and so if you're a big established player, the the risk is lower for you to invest in these things, uh, see if they work. It, it's sort of a test lab, if you will, uh, and then if it becomes something meaningful, then that's a way you can adjust your own your own model going forward. Um, I find it incredibly difficult to keep track of all of these kinds of deals. How do you, how do you mo- monitor this stuff? I mean, obviously you, you cover this industry, but well, of course we have um, a function called PE on the Bloomberg terminal, where you can look by industry a lot of recent rounds of funding, and you know you can break them down by application technology. Um, it is difficult to track all of it. I also referred to um, a quarterly report that a company called CB Insights puts out. Uh, and they do great work on fintech. In fact, they've developed something they call the Fintech 250, which is really their most prominent uh, global companies in the fintech space in various areas. Um, so that's interesting to follow uh, the comings and goings on on that list. Um, so it's a it's a fascinating space for sure. Well, it certainly is. I, I wonder also when you when you look at the space, who are these entrepreneurs who are, are sort of focused on these people who've come out of the finance industry who sort of know it and see the opportunity, or they're just entrepreneurs who want to start something or have got a technology and they realize that 
like we will a healer of 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 of, of, of you. Yeah, oh, wasn't it John Dillinger, right? Was it what uh, you you rob banks? <laughs> that's where the money is. Well, you know what? It's with all of these things. It's really all about the software. Um, it's really all about the code. So you really have to start with good technology people that have a tech, you know, that have that code writing expertise. Um, because many of these concepts are not brand new. Um, even if you look at Lending Club, for example, all they're really doing is they're a consolidation lending company. They're taking credit card debt and consolidating. Well, Discover's been doing that for decades, but they're doing it online, and they have a, a really easy-to-use um, platform to do it. And the same goes for many of these other things. They've just figured out a better way. But their senior executives tend to come from within the business um, uh, whether it be insurance or whether it be lending, because they really need the core expertise uh, that comes with that, and that helps them with their credibility when they go to raise money. Uh, fascinating stuff. And what a fascinating industry. There's so many uh, advantages being taken care of. I think, as, as I said at the beginning, it's something happening underneath our noses. We just don't always know what's happening. David Ritter, appreciate it. He's the payments and specialty finance analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence, based in Bloomberg Intelligence headquarters in Princeton. New Jersey. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. I'm Bloomberg Radio. I'm uh, Corey Johnson. Carol Master off today. I'm at Corey TV, at C-O-R-Y TV on Twitter. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.